0: Block Talk Radio
1: Well, bless the Lord everybody. Once again we are here on Blog Talk Radio with the Word on Wednesday. I am Pastor Winfred Burns of Word Worship and Witness Ministries and it is my privilege to share the Word of God with you. Um, before we go any farther, let's. There's a spirit of worship that's in this place. Good evening. Good evening. Um, there's a spirit of worship in this place, and I just want us to just just stop for a minute. Normally, I just rush right in and begin to to to, to teach and review and tell you what's up. But tonight there's just there's something in the atmosphere the Holy Spirit is just saying, just stop for a minute and lift your hands up and just worship. Just worship, hallelujah. God, I thank you.
2: God, we thank you tonight. Hallelujah. We bless your name. Oh God, how you are worthy, you're worthy. Oh, we bless your name. We bless your name. You who are a healer, we bless your name tonight. You who delivered us from sin, we give you glory, O oh God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
1: We thank you, O oh God, that we can come to you. Hallelujah, we can come to you and we can we can ask you for anything, God. For you provide for us and for this we say hallelujah, we bless your name. We give glory to you, our King. We bow in our hearts to you, our King, for there is none like you. Oh God, we bless you today. You are holy,
2: holy, holy. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, glory, glory,
1: glory. We bless you, we praise you, we honor you, we extol you, we lift your name on high.
2: Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, God. You, the great I am. We bless you tonight and we praise you. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We give you glory. Let's give him praise tonight. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. We worship you tonight.
1: We acknowledge your presence tonight. Hallelujah. We acknowledge that it's in you we live, move, and have our being. We bless your name, God.
2: Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah,
1: hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, God, tonight as we come before you to study your word, As always, we ask that you would lead us into your word, that you would open up the ears of our understanding, that you would speak to us individually and collectively. God, tonight we pray that your will would be done, that your kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven.
2: God, how we thank you and how... Oh, we bless you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful Savior. We bless your name. Hallelujah. God, you've protected us from danger seen and unseen. We bless your holy name tonight, God. We thank you,
1: O God, that that we are not alone, that you are always with us, but even more, God, that you continue to expand your
2: kingdom. Hallelujah. Oh, God,
1: let the words of our mouths and the meditation of our heart be acceptable in your sight,
2: even as we enter into your presence.
1: O oh, minister to
2: us tonight, we need you, O oh, we need you, in Jesus'
0: name, amen. In him do I live, move and have my being, in him do I live, move and have my being, I'm nothing without you. God, I'm nothing without you. Lord, I'm nothing without you. Lord, I'm nothing without you. In Him do I live, move, and have my being. In him do I live, move, and have my being. Because I'm nothing without you. Yet I'm nothing without you. Lord, I'm nothing without you. I'm nothing without you. Hallelujah.
2: hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
1: Hallelujah. God, I thank you. Hallelujah. Glory, glory, glory. We are nothing without Him. We are nothing without Him. We are nothing without Him. We. Tonight, it's just. It's just. I just. You know the spirit of the Lord leads us to worship, so we worship a little bit. But as we as we move through our time, I want to remind somebody that's watching tonight that um, your sins are forgiven. If you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you're worried about where you stand with God, the message from God is simple: your sins are forgiven. And all you need to do tonight is accept that gift that Jesus died for our sins. Hallelujah. If you can accept the fact that Jesus, the Son of God, died for your sins and that your sins are now forgiven, if you can accept Jesus as the Son of God who died for your sins and you can confess it with your mouth, you know you can be saved. God sent this gift to us, and as he extends his son to us, all we got to do is reach out our hands and take it and take what God is giving us, accept it by faith. And how do you accept it by faith? You, you, first of all, you've got to believe it in your heart. And if you believe that in your heart, then you confess it with your mouth by saying, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God and that He died for my sins, and I ask Him to be my Savior. That's it, right there. That's it, and you're saved. It is, the, it's, it's that confession of belief when you do it by faith, by faith, and you accept what God has done for you, that He has forgiven your sins, that He, that Jesus died so you can forgive, receive forgiveness. When you do that confess it, you're saved. So what do you do after that? I'll tell you what you do after that. Find yourself, a church, another Christian, a pastor, and just go up to them and tell him, you know what, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and I've asked him to be my Savior, and I believe I'm saved, but I don't know what I'm supposed to do next. And you know what that, that, that pastor or that church member or that Christian that you know will do? They'll begin to pray and work with you and teach you salvation Better, better, and they'll make it plain to you, and they'll show you what it means to walk with the Lord, and they'll help you grow as a son or a daughter of God. Hallelujah. Do that. And I praise God if you've done that tonight, if, you have, if you've just accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want you to make sure that you follow up with that now because you're a kingdom kid. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay, let's get into our study tonight, and we are we're going into part two of Just Like Your Daddy. Now, in part one, what we saw was Amnon, who is acting just like his father. And when everything proceeds forward based upon what David did, David's sin, as we found out in. In chapter twelve, David's sin in chapter twelve had been atoned for. Let's let's just turn back chapter twelve in Second Samuel. Let's turn back real quick because the basis of everything that we'll see is what David did and when God pronounced judgment on David and his household. Look look uh, go to go to chapter twelve verse ten. It says, and I, I'm, I'm going to keep going back, because this, this is going to show that the word of God is true, and when God says something, you know, a lot of times we said his word does not come back to him void, but it accomplishes its purpose. Now there is a word that is off that God will release that is not a word that you want to be a part of. You know, we think that God's word accomplishes his purpose, meaning that we're going to get blessings and, you know, all of that kind of good stuff. But the Lord, there's a side of God that we never want to see, and that's the side of wrath. Because God loves us, and like any good parent, every now and then he has to get out the belt. He has to show you that there's consequences for what we do. And a lot of Christians today, they we, we, we do a lot of stuff, and we don't consider the consequences because we live under grace. But what many people don't understand is, yeah, we live under dispensation of grace, but there's still the law. And there's still, God has an expectation of us, and he, he tells us, how we are to live, and he also tells, gives us the consequences, Christians as well as non-Christians, of what is going to happen when we step outside of the boundaries that he sets for us. When we, when we step outside of those boundaries, God sets boundaries for us. When we step outside of those boundaries, not good. And so here we find David, who has opened up the door to Satan based upon his lustful ways. And when he opens that door, um, what happens is the devil walks in, and the devil is permitted to do some things in David's life that extends to his family. And what, okay, I was at 1210, remember? I, and it says, now therefore. The sword will never depart from your house because you despise me and took the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your own. This is what the Lord says, of your own household, I am going to bring calamity upon you. Before your very eyes, I will take your wives and give them to one who is close to you, and he will lie with your wives in broad daylight." You did it in secret, but I will do this thing in broad daylight before all Israel. That's what God has pronounced. That's the judgment. And I want you to see how his sons begin to duplicate his behavior. And the first thing that we saw last week was we saw that old Amnon duplicated his father's behavior by being duplicitous and taking something that did not belong to him when he raped and shamed Tamar. David took Bathsheba from Uriah. Now, Amnon is acting just like his daddy and he takes Tamar and he does what is not lawful to do. Now, Let's, let's get, and uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to chapter 13, verse 21. And that's where I'm going to start reading it tonight. Chapter 13, verse 21. When King David heard all this, he was furious. Absalom never said a word to Amnon, either good or bad. He hated Amnon because he had disgraced his sister Tamar. Two years later, when Absalom's sheep shearers were at Baal Hazor near the border of Ephraim, he invited all the king's sons to come there. Absalom went to the king and said, Your servant has heard has had shearers come. Will the king and his officials please join me? No, my son, the king replied. All of us should not go. We would only be a burden to you. Although Absalom urged him, he still refused to go, but gave him his blessing. Then Absalom said, if not, please let my brother Amnon come with us. The king asked, why should he go with you? But Absalom urged him, so he sent him with him. So he sent with him Amnon and the rest of the king's sons. So here's how it looks. So Absalom now has sit and he has made a determination that he is going to get Amnon. Look at how he plots wickedness now. Now the word teaches us forgiveness. And I want to show you how tonight, how how this boy is not acting according to the word. Now, there's a couple of things that we need to understand. First of all, Amnon is the heir apparent to David. David is not a spring chicken anymore. David is getting older. This is coming toward the end of David's life. And so David has not dealt with the problem of Amnon. Amnon is the crown prince. He is the next in line to be the king. And David doesn't deal with that sin, and so that sin is allowed to manifest. Now, Absalom, on the surface, he looks like he's a good guy because he's taken his sister in, he's provided protection for her, he provides for her, she lives in his house, she lives with the shame, and Absalom, during that entire time, is he looks like a good guy, but he's not acting according to the word of God because he is he has allowed hatred to fester within him and you know what I know that the word of the Lord calls for us to forgive now we went uh we went, we, went, we went through forgiveness, oh, probably about six, seven months ago. And I don't want to really, re, uh, as I say, go through all of that again, but we know that we are supposed to be a forgiving people. We're supposed to release people from their obligations. That's what forgiveness is. We release them from the obligation that they have toward us, when they violate us in any kind of way. Now, you say, well, wait a minute. Isn't that a New Testament concept? Uh, No. It's been God's will from the very, very beginning that the people of God walk in forgiveness. We don't carry grudges. We don't go seeking revenge. Not against our brothers and sisters. No, no, no. Okay, turn to Leviticus chapter 19. I'll, I'll tell you something. Grudges will lead you to death. Turn to, uh, Leviticus chapter nineteen. Go there.
0: Leviticus.
1: Leviticus. Come on, Leviticus. Numbers to Genesis. Exodus, Leviticus. I'm at numbers, so I keep going. And I'm I'm doing this for everybody too, because you know if you had numbers, you ain't made, you ain't went far enough there. Here we go, we're in Leviticus, now we go to chapter 19. And yes, I'm still doing it the old-fashioned way, and I like flipping pages, and that's just the way I am. Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18. Look, read with me. In the NIV version, it reads, do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against one of your people. But love your neighbor as yourself. And look at the punctuation. I am the Lord. This is God saying it to us. He said, what did he say? Do not seek revenge. Now Absalom is hating this boy, and he wants to get him because of what he did to his sister. But the law says, the law of the Lord, to the people of God do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against one of your people, but love your neighbour as yourself. I am the Lord. Now go let's go further. Go to Proverbs twenty. And we've been in Proverbs all over the place lately. Proverbs chapter twenty. Look at what it says in Proverbs. And I'm speaking to somebody tonight because there's some folks that, that really are harboring hatred in their hearts towards folk, and they want to get them, and they want to get them. And God is saying, oh, no, that's not the way we roll. Proverbs 20, 22. Do not say, I'll pay you back for this wrong. Wait for the Lord, and he will deliver you. Do not say, I'll pay you back for this wrong. Wait for the Lord, and he will deliver you. Look. Go to Matthew. Go to Matthew chapter 5. And why are you taking so long on just this one little point? Because some people are proud of the fact that they can hold a grudge. Some Christians are proud of the fact that they're holding grudges. That's nothing to be proud of. You ought to be ashamed. Me too. Me too. I've had to learn. Look, you've got to let them go. You've got to let that go. That is not going to do you any good. Not only that, that is not what the Lord wants from you. How are you going to be a vessel of blessing when you're walking around here and you're full of unforgiveness, holding grudges? Do you think unforgiveness and, 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 and holding a grudge is the secret sauce that God wants to put on the blessings for his people? Do you think that God is proud of you because you're walking around here full of mess? Do you think that you ain't limping and your blood pressure up and you got this and you got that and you got this ache and you got that ache because you're walking around here holding on to a grudge in unforgiveness? Oh, no, son. Oh, no, daughter. No. God's not pleased because he is, you want him to watch you sit
0: there and kill yourself?
1: No. That's why he warned us that, no, d-uh, don't do that. Go to Matthew chapter 5. Because, you know, I, I know I got people out there that basically said, well, that's the Old Testament. Do you know that the New Testament is derived from the Old? And that Jesus was a Jew? And many of the principles that he teaches us in the New Testament are derived from the law? Matthew 5, chapter 43, I mean, Chapter 5, verse 43,
0: mm, mm, mm.
1: you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be the sons of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and send rain on the righteous and the unrighteous, if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. What is he saying here? What is he saying here? He says, look, you are vessels of blessing." You don't just bless the people that you get along with. I sent you to bless like I bless on the good and the bad. And, and, and I know some people are sitting there saying, Pastor, that's hard. Yes, it's hard. I'm going to show you how to do it in a minute, though. I'm going to show you what, what Absalom should have been doing that he didn't do that will lead to his demise. Because Absalom, in making the decision not to forgive, is traveling a road of death and destruction. You'll hear me say it so much. There's a choice that we have in life. There is a way that seems right unto man, but the end thereof is death. You see, when we choose to do things our way because we got this overwhelming urge to get our revenge on somebody who has wronged us, who has made us mad, who has done something to us that, that, that just aggravates us, and we make that decision like Absalom, and we begin to plot our revenge, we're going the way of death. We're going the way of death. One more. Go to Colossians three thirteen. Yeah, I think I I I look at what's going on and I see the opinions that that many have concerning uh, the way that to live their life. And I'm talking about Christians now. I'm talking about Christians. And a lot of us. Notice I include myself in it. A lot of us are not living. Lives that are pleasing to God, yeah we go to church and yeah we do a lot of good stuff for folk and and all that but God is calling us to a higher level because some of us can't worship some of us can't can't can't, can't barely get a prayer through because we are so full of hatred and unforgiveness and holding grudges and this one got my song and that one wore the same dress I wore and she got my shoes and I'm the only one supposed to be with my shoes and he in my spot and and I could do better than him over there and blah, 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 blah. And we find reasons to take offense and, yeah, some folk have offended us. Some folk have offended us, but God said, I want you to forgive them. I want you to forgive me. Colossians 3, chapter 13. I mean, excuse me, verse 13. Look at this. I'm going to start at 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Oh! Oh! Oh, that hurt. Oh! Ooh, it's still hurting. Why is it hurting? Because the word takes away Any excuse that I have for not forgiving, no matter how bad they treated me, if I am going to forgive like God forgives, then I got to forgive them for everything. Because what is the Lord holding over your head right now? Did you get to the cross and you got ready to confess your sins before God? And all of a sudden he said to you, Winfrey, you did such and such a thing. That ain't covered, so I ain't got to forgive you for that. Oh, bless the Lord, oh my soul. No, he didn't. He forgave us for everything we did. He forgives us for everything that we are doing, and he further forgives us for everything we're going to do. Oh wow! And so his command to us is that we forgive others just like he forgave us. Now wait a minute. Go back to the Second Samuel for a minute. Go back to Second Samuel, uh, chapter thirteen, where we're at right now. Go back.
0: Get back to our spot. Saying that, oh,
1: I got to forgive Amnon for raping my
0: sister? I can't do that. He raped my sister.
1: You know the secret to forgiveness? Acknowledging the fact that, God, I can't do it. I can't do it like you do it. That's the secret right there. See, some of us are holding on to stuff. And 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 we're we're hiding from God, and we're hiding with our little mess, and that sin of unforgiveness is just burning a hole in us, and got us all goofy because we are holding this thing. That's what I okay. I'm getting ready to give it to you. I'm getting ready to give it to you, Christy. Hey, girl, good to, good to see you out there. The reason. The reason what we have to do is, first of all, we have to acknowledge, God, I can't do it. I'm unable to do it. I'm unable to do it. I'm unable to do it, and it's holding me and it's binding me. That's the secret right there. I just gave you the secret. Did you miss it? Did you miss it? You missed it. The secret is to get into the presence of God and begin to confess and begin to tell God of your inability. And when you tell God of your inability, do you know who you're standing before? Do you know who you're bowing before? You're bowing before the great I Am who is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than you can think or imagine and he will anoint your heart so full of forgiveness and all of a sudden his forgiveness is flowing through you and you're able to release that thing not because not because of your ability but because of his ability what does Paul say it's when I'm weak that then I become strong Absalom, in order to overcome what is, what is taking him and driving him into this hatred and, and dragging him into what he's about to do, the antidote for him is worship, is acknowledging God, I can't do it, but you can. God, you commanded me to do something, but I don't have the power to do it. And when you are at your weakest, that's when God becomes strong. He says, What does he say? Because my strength is made perfect in weakness. Absalom, too busy around there, prepping and pruning and trying to show everybody what he is. And that's how he fought. So he sets this plot up. We're in chapter 13, 23. He sets this plot up, and he goes to David. And he said, Dad, why don't you and your boys come with me? Because I'm shearing some sheep, and I want you and your boys, I want to entertain y'all. Now, David looks at Absalom, and he Immediately, I mean, during the whole thing, you can see that that David knows that something is up. But David is so busy running his kingdom that he does not minister properly to his family. Now, Now, mothers and fathers, especially those of us who spend a lot of time ministering at church and before the people of God. I need to say this. If you ain't running your house, and when I say running your house, I mean ministering to your house, because don't nobody want to need another general, another drill sergeant, another person coming around and talking about, do this, do that, do the other. No, you have to be there with them kids. You have to raise those kids, and you have to raise Godly kids in a loving manner. Raising kids don't mean cussing kids. Raising kids don't mean beating on kids. Raising kids means that you instruct them in a loving manner, just the way that God instructs you in a loving manner, just the way God is patient with you. You have to be patient with those kids. But not only patient, you've got to be present. And some of us have abdicated our responsibilities as, as parents in the name of Jesus because we're so busy running up to the church and doing and showing how holy and how, how spiritual we are. And in the meantime, it's hell at home. This is what David is doing. David is neglecting. He is supposed to bring justice into the kingdom. He's supposed to bring discipline into the kingdom, but David is neglecting this. Because he's not ruling his family. What does the Bible say about elders? Elders should be able to rule their families. That basically means they should be able to minister to them. They should be able to, as they say, bring loving discipline to them. And discipline does not mean beating folk. Discipline. Is involved in teaching you got to be a teacher at home. you got to grow your kids before you can go out there and try to grow the rest of god's kids and that's 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 something that we neglect in the household of faith and that's the re- that's one of the reasons I believe why we have divorces, why we have kids that just basically say you know us and us in church, you know I, a lot of us that have been in church all our lives. The first thing our kids do when they get 18 years old and get out of our house and go to college, they they declare to themselves, I ain't never going back to no church no more. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Shame on us. But now, this curse is traveling. The sword is there. You've seen it with Tamar. Now you're seeing it with Amnon. uh, he's He's setting this thing up. Now, verse 26. Look at, look at verse 26. Then Absalom said, if not, please let my brother Amnon come with us. He specifically asked for Amnon. Remember what I told you earlier before? Absalom is slick as butter. He's, work, he's working in deception just like his daddy did Just like his brother did. There's a spirit of deception that's rolling through that family, as they say, that snatches them one at a time. So now, look at, look at, look at, look at, look at. Then Absalom said, If not, please let my brother Amnon come with us. Now, David, know something. Look, right, right. The king asked him, Why should he go with you? David knows. That tells us right there. David's suspicious of something. It's, like, it's, it's almost like he said, mm, this boy up to something, but I don't know what it is. So here's his defense. He says, but Absalom urged him, so he sent with him Amnon and the rest of the king's sons. David, to since he's suspicious, he says, you know what, I'm going to send all the boys. Watch what happens. Absalom ordered his men, listen, when Amnon is in high spirits from drinking wine, and I say to you, strike Amnon down, then kill him. Don't be afraid. Have I not given you this order? Be strong and brave. What does that remind you of? What does that remind you of? Think about it for a second. Doesn't that remind you of what David did? David sent Uriah to his death by what? Putting him up in the front and telling Joab, put him where the fighting is hot at, and then draw back from him. It was his word that sentenced Uriah to death. Now, Amnon is doing this. I mean, Absalom is doing the same thing to, to Amnon. When I give you the word, when I give you the word, just strike him. I'm giving the word. Just like David did not met justice out here, Am Absalom is not meting out justice. Let me go further. So Absalom's men did to Amnon what Absalom had ordered. Then all the king's sons got up, mounted their mules, and fled. While while they were on their way, the report came to David. Absalom has struck down all the king's sons. Not one of them is left. The king stood up, tore his clothes, and laid down on the ground, and all his servants stood by with their clothes torn. But Jonadab, son of Shammah, David's brother, said, My lord should not think that they killed all the princes. Only Amnon is dead. This has been Absalom's expressed intention ever since the day Amnon raped his sister Tamar. My lord, the king, should not be concerned about the report that all the king's sons are dead. Only Amnon is dead. Now, remember this guy right here, Jonadab. Remember Jonadab from before? Jonadab was the one that put the thought into to Amnon's head concerning how to get Tamar. Now here's Jonadab again, whispering in David's ear and telling him, "Oh no, all your sons ain't dead. Just Amnon, because Absalom was going to do that. For absalom been plotting this thing out for a long time. This weasel keeps showing up. This boy, this is one of this. This is David's nephew, by the way. This is one of their cousins. Okay, this is this is David's brother's son." that's, that's in and acting petty with family business because what we don't see what the narrator of this does not say out and out is that this is all about power this is all about prestige this is all about who is going to be the next king and Absalom gets a double bubble out of this deal what do you mean well Guess what? Amnon was the crown prince. Yes, he wanted to get at the crown prince. He needed to knock him off because guess who's next in line to be the king? hmm Absalom. And Absalom is playing his hand because he says, I'm going to get it all. I'm not going to get it. Square. I'm getting it by hook or crook. What did David do with Bathsheba? Now, what is Absalom doing? What did Amnon do? You see it? Do you see the pattern? Do you see what God said? He said, I'm bringing calamity on your house. Is this not calamity? His whole kingdom is uh, not kingdom, but his household is being displayed as just a dirty, dirty bunch of characters. Why? Because unlike David, they are not willing to follow the law because they don't love the Lord. They're like all the rest of the kings, that are that, that, the worldly kings. They're not interested in worshiping and serving God. They're interested in in being served and taking advantage of their privileges because this is the way the world does it. Now, I read a very, very interesting article this afternoon. And remember we talked about that word despise? I was reading this article this afternoon because I was really trying to get a grasp on what that word means in its original language. And I found a wonderful, wonderful explanation and it all deals with our worship. It deals with our worship. Remember I said this boy wasn't a worshiper. He if he wanted to if he wanted to turn the tides and break that curse in his family and not and not go down that, that, that path of hatred and unforgiveness that he should have worshiped. Guess what? That word despised. That was the key. The way it was explained is this. You have to look at it like we view cats and dogs. Now, a dog, a dog, when you have a dog, and I know a lot of us have dogs, there's dog people and cat people. And in church, there's dog people and cat people. I'm going to make this plain in a minute. With a dog, any of us that have had dogs, we know that when we come home, that dog going to be waiting for us. That dog going to jump on us. That dog is, you know, as they say, licking and happy and all that kind of stuff. And, and, and we can holler at that dog, and we can fuss at that dog, but that dog will going to always be right there, and he is looking for some kind of way to please his master. Now, he knows he ain't worried about nothing because he knows we don't give him treats, he know we're going to feed him. He know we're going to walk him. He know if he does the wrong thing in the house that we're going to be mad and we might lock him in the cage or something like that. But he knows we're going to clean up and we're going to pet him some more. That dog is looking for a way to please us at all times. But a cat is different. A cat, he don't look at you like, you know, a uh, uh I'm looking to please you. A cat, is like, he, he like, uh, you are here to please me. So therefore, you're going to do this and you're going to do that and you're going to do the other and they finicky and all of that. Well, that's what that word despised basically means, that David had stopped being a worshiper looking for how to please God and had turned into a cat looking up. For how God was going to please or serve him. and that's the, that's the attitude that David had temporarily. But Amnon and Absalom now display the heart of a cat. They don't see them as they, themselves as servants of the Lord. They see the Lord as their service. Go to church now. How many times do we go there looking for what the Lord's going to do for us? rather than going in there to bow down and love God and, and as they say, just get all excited about him. How often do we just get excited about God and his presence and the fact that he loves us and that he's our master? We have to watch that, because that's the spirit that is traveling through David's family that is releasing calamity. They don't look at the kingship as a position where they serve the people and they serve God, because God loves them and they love God. But instead, they look at the kingship as, hmm, the people and God are supposed to serve me and they're supposed to bend toward to, to my will and my way and see it. See it. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. So he kills him, and then he runs. Verse 34. Meanwhile, Absalom had fled. Now the man standing watch looked up and saw many people on the road west of him coming down the side of the hill. The watchman went and told the king, I see men in the directions of Horn." Horonim, on the side of the hill. Jonadab said to the king, see, the king's sons are here. It has happened just as your servant said. As he finished speaking, the king's sons came in, wailing loudly. The king, too, and all his servants wept bitterly. Absalom fled and went to Talmai, son of Amidhud, the king of Geshur. But King David mourned for his son every day. After Absalom fled and went to Gershwar, he stayed there three years. And the spirit of the king longed to go to Absalom, for he was consoled concerning Amnon's death. Now, so what is, what, what, what is all of this? First of all, when they fled from Absalom, when the king's sons fled for Absalom, they didn't come back the same way they went. They went a roundabout way because they feared another attack from Absalom. They thought that, uh uh-oh, he's going to try to take all of us out. But Absalom had accomplished his purpose of getting rid of Amnon. And so now the rest of David's sons... Fled and they went in a different direction. They came back into Jerusalem a different way. In the meantime, notice, you know, early on when we were talking about where they were shearing sheep at, they were shearing sheep on the border of Ephraim's territory. Now, where was Ephraim's territory in relationship to Jerusalem? Ephraim's territory is north of Judah. And a couple of weeks ago when we were when we were talking about the battles that David was fighting with the Arameans or or in your Bible it might say the Syrians, they were from the north. Well, Absalom is going to flee. he positions his party in the northern area and this this boy 's smart he 's strategic in what he 's doing. he positions himself in a northern territory and he so he can run and get to his granddaddy. So what he does is after he does that, he flees to Geshur. Geshur is just south. It's a little bitty. It's a little bitty area just south of Syria that sits in, uh, Manasseh, in, in Manasseh's territory. But Manasseh was never able to capture that land, and that. That man, uh, 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 Talmai is his name. Let me make sure that I got it right. Talmai. Okay, yeah. Talmai is the king of Geshur, and that just so happens to be his grandfather. Now wait a minute. Hold on. How's this his grandfather? Well, remember, David is marrying different women for political purposes, and he's got to secure that northern border. And the way he secures that northern border that rests up against Syria, where he had all of the problems that back down in um, chapter um, chapter 10. Remember when he was fighting the Ammonites, and the Ammonites hired the Syrians to come down. And all of those people from the north came down and fight him. Well, in order to secure that border of his kingdom, he gets into a political alliance with the king of Geshur by marrying his daughter, who happens to be Absalom's mama. And Absalom, one of the, the second reason that he killed Amnon was he wanted he realized that if he killed Amnon, he's next in line. He's next in line to be king. And so there's two reasons for his revenge. One, he raped my sister. And two, he's standing in the way of power. And I'm getting that power. What is rape? Rape is a crime and we see that being played out, this thirst for power, this constant thirst for power. And I'm, I'm going to so, tell you something. One of the things that we see that's playing out in churches today, that's driving people away, that's causing people to, to, to literally just leave the church, is power struggles. If we would just focus in on um, serving God and loving our neighbor as ourselves, if we just got that down, do you realize how strong the church would be? It wouldn't be, you know, uh, because I got this talent, I'm supposed to be here, or because I got this knowledge, I'm supposed to be there, or uh, uh, I, I know how to do this. That's the nasty stuff that we're studying now in Second Samuel. All of this mess is going on in David's house. Why? Because David opened the door by not obeying the word of the Lord. Take it out of the house and take it to your house for a minute. What kind of mess in your house right now? Why is it there? You see, it's easy for us to look at Absalom's mess. And it's easy for us to look at the hatred that's in him and his quest for power. But what's going on with us? God leaves this word to us for a reason. And what does he say? The word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my pathway. The word gives us illumination and it allows us to see And one of the things that we have a tendency to do is look out and judge other folk without looking at ourselves and allowing the word to speak to us about us. And so I ask you tonight, as we look at this word, are you just like your daddy? What do you mean? Are you just like your daddy? Now, the Pharisees were just like they daddy, and Jesus told them. He said, they just like they father the devil. But are you like your daddy? And who is your daddy? Is your daddy God? And when you look at yourself according to the word of God, are you full of love? Or is the spirit of Absalom got a hold of you? And you're ready to get somebody. As they say, I'ma get a so and so off of me. Mm mm. No. Leviticus nineteen eighteen, Proverbs twenty twenty two, Matthew five, forty three through forty seven, Colossians three, thirteen. Let me give you one more. First Peter three and nine. Flip over there real quick. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessing, because to this you were called, so that you may inherit a blessing. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessing because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. We re- how do we rebuke the spirit of Absalom? How do we get over the fact that we have difficulty forgiving? Let me recap it real quick. We worship. We go into the presence of God, and we say, I can't, but you can. We determine that when the devil comes upon us and brings us this temptation and tries to draw us into unforgiveness and to try to make us into something that God never called us to be. You know what Absalom's name means? Absalom's name means, my father's peace. Absalom. My father's peace. You know what Amnon's name means? Amnon means faithful. So faithful and peace couldn't get along. Why? Because they didn't believe in it. Mm-mm. No, and they, and they never became what they were anointed to be. My prayer tonight is this. that When you look at this lex- lesson, that you don't get yourself into exile. That's, where, that's where we we're going to leave Absalom tonight. We're going to leave him in exile that you don't have to go into exile because Absalom's father is longing for him because he loves him. Your father longs for you because you, he loves you, and he's made a way for you to come into his presence. But that hatred and that unforgiveness places you in a position of exile. Your fellowship with God is broken. Doesn't mean that He stops loving you. You have broken fellowship. Why? Because you have chosen the way of unforgiveness and revenge, and you haven't trusted God with that stuff. And so I, I, I say to you tonight trust God, get into His presence and worship. Don't be like Day Daddy. Because I declare that your father is God you are born again you are a believer now are we yet the sons of God and sons and daughters of God believers of God hallelujah hallelujah your father if you if, if If if, if you're in a situation like that, I'm going to encourage you to repent tonight. I'm going to encourage you, just get on your face to say, God, I've been walking in unforgiveness. I've been plotting on people. I've been wanting to get them. I've been wanting to get them, get them, get them, get them, get them, get them. Yes, I do. I want to get them. I want to get them. I want to get them. And this thing got a hold of me, and I can't let go of it. But I need you, God, and I know that that's not you because you told me to walk in forgiveness. You told me not to carry a grudge. You told me to release them, to love them, to don't treat them like enemies. You told me to show them you. And in my state of mind and the way my heart is right now, I can't do it. But if you can. You can bless me with forgiveness. And then just worship him. Worship him according to the word. Repeat his word back to him. What he declares that you have to do. And watch the spirit of God. Watch the spirit of God. Watch his strength become perfect in your weakness. Amen. God... God is calling you out of exile. God is calling you out of exile. And he's calling you to be just like him. He wants you to be just like your daddy. He doesn't want you to walk in a curse. He doesn't want you to walk in a curse. He made provision for you not to walk in that curse by giving his son Jesus. Because it says, "Cursed is every man that hangs on the tree. So Jesus becomes a curse that we might not have to walk in that curse. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We bless God tonight. I'm going to stop right here. We'll pick up next week in chapter 14. I pray that you have been blessed by this word, by this study, uh, and that you've learned something tonight. Now, what I'd ask you to do is continue in prayer. I'll ask you to continue to go forward in the Lord having the conversation, a personal conversation about your situation with God. But I know that I've been helped, and I pray that you've been helped, and I'll see you. Let's, just have a, let's close in a word of prayer, and then we'll go from there. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you for opening our hearts and our minds up so we can see what thus saith the Lord. Father, now minister unto us as only you can. Even as we bow before you tonight, oh, continue in ministry. Continue leading us out of exile. Continue leading us along the path of righteousness. Open up our hearts and open up our minds and open up our ears so we can see and hear what the Spirit saith unto the people of God. We bless you and we praise you for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, that's it for the Word on Wednesday. And I thank God that for each of you who have come out and shared with us tonight, uh, you can re-watch the video. The, uh, you can also go on Global Drive and, and, um, and listen to the tape again if necessary for those of you who came late. Uh, and I just appreciate each one of you meeting us out here and I love all of you. Continue to pray for me and continue to pray for my family uh, and continue to pray for pastors throughout the land as they seek to bring a word from the Lord to the people of God. Amen. Well, I'll see you next week uh, for the, on The Word on Wednesday. This has been Pastor Winfred Burns of Word Worship and Witness Ministries
0: signing off for tonight. God bless you.